I'm Gab, he's Jules. Blue Skies over West London. Uh, a ton going on. The FA Cup semifinals. Uh, Napoli and Juventus. What a game that was. But I think there's one place to start. Because we have a new leader in the Bundesliga. Um, Bayern somehow losing to Mainz. Yeah. Uh, to help us sort through this, we've got Jan August uh joining us. Uh, Jan, I'm going to go right off the bat. Uh the word disaster, I think, psychologically, certainly, certainly reacted as if this is the end of the world. And that can happen at Bayern. But uh, Oliver Kahn um, coming out, talking about how terrible this was. Herbert Heiner, all these people at the top, the people who put Tuchel in charge and got rid of Nagelsmann. And Tuchel now, by the way, I think has lost as many games uh, as Nagelsmann has. Uh, they're all at sixes and sevens. Yeah, I mean, we have talked about Bayern before. I mean, what what people got to understand is that in England, you you have to kind of talk to one person at a club, and that's the manager. In Germany, you have seven, seven or eight, and then you have moles added to that. And <laughs> Khan, Khan and Bratzo, Salahamish, that is, love to come into the dressing room. Can you imagine losing 3-1 in Mainz? And after the game, you have to listen to Oliver Khan in the dressing room. I'm not sure what's worse. And Khan will come down. Khan will then, after the game, say, well, Tuchel is the last person we're going to talk about. Well, dear Mr. Khan, you're the first we have to start talking <laughs> about because you said, and I'm... There, there are two ways to to uh, to do the analysis of this one. Is that Nagelsmann was fired because the team wasn't there was no consistency. There was an inconsistency, and you can say that these seven games in the Tuchel proves that. Having said that, the Bratzo and Khan they said we'll take Tuchel to try to save the treble to to save three titles. They're out of the cup. They're out of the Champions League, and now they seem to throw away the uh, the Bundesliga as well. If Dortmund then have the attitude to kind of catch that ball that Bayern tried to throw to them, hey, Jules, we said it before. Like um, I, I was surprised by, by by I thought it was a wrong decision. Khan and Brazil have to live by this because they're the ones. They're the ones who did this. And this idea that Tuchel would just come in, manage them mentally, keep them happy, and it was suddenly going to be exponentially better than it was, mm. is just wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we said the issues in that team, in that dressing room were deeper than just, I think, the manager and who was on the bench. And I think maybe at the whole club, that's why the crisis on the pitch is almost as equivalent as the crisis in the offices. What is happening with Khan? What's going to happen with Khan? Could Uli Hones come back? Aina. Um, you know, all of that, all those people who are involved, but not really involved, but still there, but not really there. All of that. And I think for the players, two goals after the game, they're tired. They're so tired. I mean, I, they didn't look tired to me. They just lost control in that second half. They had a good first half, I thought, against Mainz. Lost control in the second half and can't, can't defend right now. Uh yeah, and one of the things, taking it back to the pitch, the Tuchel did, and look, as you know, I I I am a Tuchel, I'm a Tuchelista, right? But there's a certain irony here that Nagelsmann got slaughtered by many when he played the back three and people said the black three doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. Why are you reinventing the wheel? What does he do in this game? It's almost karma. He moves to a back three. He moves to, he moves to a back three, and then he makes the kind of slightly unusual substitutions, I, I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. taking off Kimmich, uh, that when they're still in the game, which, which are exactly the kind of substitutions that Nagelsmann got criticized for. 
Um, does this make sense to you? No, well, it makes sense to me that it's typical Bayern because when when you you when you watch their games and when you watch Bayern over the years, you always got a feeling that all decisions are made through politics, and that's why it's interesting to always discuss Bayern that off the pitch is something to do on the pitch. Well, first of all, you have the cause Thomas Müller. We always say that, or the German journalists and everybody else say Bayern always got to play with Müller. They can't win anything without Müller. That's what I say. Okay, Müller played in Mainz. But mind you, if he's not a, a playing the next game, people will say that same again. Uh, Kimmich is the thing that I think that uh, Tuchel want to make uh, uh, a signal that he took off P Kimmich too, because Kimmich has been one of those players that they've been said maybe a bit overestimated. I think that is an own podcast for us. I always like to say that a lot of the German players are overestimated because last time I checked, Germany was absolutely rubbish at the World Cup, but they are bad in the Champions League. And all the players were from Bayern, more or less. And I'm, I know I'm tabloidism here a bit, but they always said these players are so good and you can't live without them. has to be said that he had to swap Davies after a few minutes. Uh, so he kind of said maybe that was a part uh, of the things. But yes, you're right. Three at the back, Müller play, you try everything. And after the game, I must say, and you know, uh, Gab, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Tuchel as well. But he looked, I've never, I've seen him drained, but I've never seen Thomas Tuchel that drained that he was after the game in Mainz. All right, Jules, you mocked me about Joao Cancelo. Yeah. Um, he's a guy who gives you quality. He's a guy who can actually play in the middle of the park or come inside yeah. and actually create things. Which you kind of need when you've got people who rely on on on, on three ball. I've got no, but he's a defender who can't defend, especially not in that team. So like they're not going to sign. That's him. why you play a back three. <laughs> That's, they're not going to sign him. Right. It's a good cross for Mane's goal. It's, the creativity was interesting, but he's had more bad games since joining Bayern than good games, really, than good performances in a team that, as we've been saying, has been struggling anyway. But I just it was funny how you because you love him so much and you said it was crazy for City to let him go. I love the fact, which I knew before, <laughs> how you pointed him out, kind of like, you know, when it's really the last worry that Bayern should have. All right, all right. All right, Jan, Cancelo is not the story here. I need to get you in on this because one of the narratives about Bayern this year is Robert Lewandowski leaves, he doesn't get replaced, Eric Maxim Choupo-Moteng scores a ton of goals, great. And then when they lose, it's always the same thing. Oh, look, there's no Choupo-Moteng, and they even gave him a new contract. For, for for next season, yeah, um, and he's getting hammered for playing. I don't know if you want to describe it as a, as a Mane Muller partnership up front or how you would describe that. It certainly looked like that was kind of like a front two. Yeah, um, but people are saying, "Oh, why isn't Matisse Tell playing?" And this just does my head in. Matisse Tell is 17 years old. Okay, he's 17. He might have turned just 18. Maybe he just turned 18 last week. I don't know. He's made a ton of appearances this season. He's been a part of the first team. I I mean, Nagelsmann got killed for not playing him more. Now Tuchel saying, people are saying, oh, dude, you should have started Tell in this game. I, you were a center forward in the Bundesliga. Uh, I'm sure when you were 17 or 18, you were scoring a lot of goals. I, I can't think of many center forwards, uh, other maybe Marcus Rashford, who, who had an impact a sizable impact on a good team competing for a title at 17-18. We're setting the bar impossibly high, aren't we? 
Absolutely. When I was 17, 18 years of age, I played in a Norwegian championship and I was picked up by my mother after training to take me home to my village. Uh, so just to put <laughs> my into perspective, but but if, if tell is the answer, there's something wrong with the question and it's nothing to do with the development of tell. I think that he gets the game that he should. He had the potential to be a Bundesliga striker, but I think that is excuses by Bayern. There's excuses to spin around what, what happened. Remember, they did everything they could to get Erling Haaland, fellow Fair enough. They wanted to have the best potential striker in, in Bundesliga. They're ending up losing Robert Lewandowski. And we have to remind people that Robert Lewandowski didn't have a clause in his contract. He was sold by Bayern Munich. So they get Sadio Mane in. And Nagelsmann says so in August or September. Maybe uh, he has to say that, but he said, we, we can play without a striker. We can play without the number nine. We will be more flexible. This is going to be okay. Okay. Then they played against City. City had Alvarez, a world champion, on the bench. They had Erling Haaland on the pitch. Bayern Munich didn't have a striker. They haven't even given out the number nine shirt, which is quite symbolic what they're doing at, at Bayern at the moment. And I think where they miss Lewandowski or a great striker the most, which is a bit undercommunicated, is to make these one nil goals. What, where, who, who do you have that can score the one nil goal? OK, or who can kill a game? Who can kill off a game in Mainz? I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Mainz were okay. uh, the Mainz game was okay by Bayern the first 60 minutes but then Tuchel said it was a great game for 60 70 minutes I guess if you ask Mainz they will say it was a great game after the 60s and 70 <laughs> minutes so yes they miss a striker and yes the responsibility gotta be pointed the finger to the guys who are gonna be responsible for that that is Salah Hamisic that's that is Oliver Kahn Jules, I know we're we're kind of fueling this, and I want to get Jan in on this as well. And we've touched upon it a little bit, but there's a part of me that says, "Hang on a second. This is also there's also a factor of club narrative here, because yes, he changed it around, and yes, it, it's it's his third defeat and and whatever else. But they weren't terrible for an hour, right? They in different circumstances, they win that game." Uh, it's not like they're 10 points behind all of a sudden and Dortmund got a special win bonus. Um, they're still very much in the title race. And yet, again, the reactions from, from the leadership, from the media, are very much the skies falling. What have we done? Um, and I know we're talking about this as well, and we're, we're, we're kind yeah, of thanks. rubbing it and gloating it over Nagelsmann, but I, this isn't healthy, is it? No, no. And it's maybe kind of overreacting a little bit. But then this Bayern, like Jan was saying, this is the FC Hollywood. This is Bayern. I think, just quickly, Mainz are a really good team. It's, I think it's 10 games unbeaten now. And they, 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 they are doing really well. I think they're really difficult to play against, all of that. But with Bayern, this is what happened. And especially, I think, when you've got a lot of former Bayern players in the media as Pundit, Effenberg, Mateus. Mateus, of course, very outspoken people. When Khan and Salia Mejic, I mean, Khan especially, I think Salia Mejic gets a pass. I think, for me, he should have got sacked a long time ago. And somehow, I don't know why Jan thinks, he always managed to stay in the job. He kind of avoids the criticism a little bit. But Khan is such a polarizing figure that since he's been in the job, I think everything takes even more 
proportions, really. Plus, when Heiner talks when he doesn't need to. Yeah, well, well, well why, does, why is Heiner talking? No, no, but it's still two, only two. It's, it's just two wins in seven gaps. It would be the same at United. It would be crisis. It would be the same I, I guarantee at Juventus. You, I guarantee you Richard Arnold would not come out no, true. and talk if it was two wins in seven. Yann is right. This is the, the German culture for you. Everybody talks all the time. Like, this is what they do. I, yeah, can you can you then explain this? Give us a bit more context on this, Jan. And also say, okay, if it's like this, if it is FC Hollywood, if there is constant chaos and stuff, how is it that they've managed to win 10 league straight titles and and the Champions League and come close in, in those years. Is there an argument to be made that some sort of creative tension, some sort of, 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 of continual chaos is actually a positive? It's actually something that, that drives Bayern further because of Mia San Mia and all this nonsense. Or not nonsense, it's real to them. Um, is that the argument? Or is it the yes, case I- that they should have won 20 league titles in the last 10 years? No, no, no. But I think it's a very valid point, Gab. And I think that that has been the strategy. But remember, we have to understand the club of Bayern. They've had the same boss since he was 27. Uli Hoeneß has been the coach or the head of the club since 77, 78. So he has got an attitude into this club that is, we have to win. Uh, if we don't win, it's a crisis. Back in the days when Otto Rehagel, the famous Otto Rehagel goes like fire some days before the UEFA Cup final. I mean, this is what the club have done. That is what take them further. The problem is now that after Uli Hoeneß, they pointed at Oliver Kahn. And Oliver Kahn tried to do it his way. He tried to do it some way that is going to be buying against the rest of the world. But I think that a lot of it was depending on an Uli Hoeneß because Uli Hoeneß has that power. And mind you, we were talking about why isn't Salah Hamidzic sacked? Of course, it is because he's Uli Hoeneß' man. So is if this was, I always love to make my metaphor about Godfather, but there would have been a problem for Al Pacino to be a good Godfather if Marlon Brando was still alive. That is a fact. And, <laughs> it's, it's that, and it is this the thing that when Ole Hearn is now, we know now that there is a big evaluation of Oliver Kahn at the moment that maybe he has to go. And people ask themselves, yeah, but it was Salahamich is bringing in the, those players. Yes, but it's because that... You can't put the CEO. He's a CEO. He's not a former goalkeeper who is in a sporting role. He's the CEO of one of the biggest global brands of Germany, not German football. And then Oliver Kahn shows us every time for me when he speaks in the media that he's not up for it. And that is a fact. So, Jan, so Kahn is going to go at the end of the season, right? And then what, Uli Hoeneß comes back? Yeah, it, it, well, again, that is, uh, there was even reports that he would put in his son, who is the CEO of his sausage factory. But I think, oh. that, I, th- I think that the history will show us that uh, there have been a lot of great, great personalities who's been doing wrong decisions. Uh, it was Sir Alex Ferguson that pointed at Moyes at the time. He was not very successful. Moyes is a good manager, but he was not up for the Man, uh, Man United job. It was also Uli Hoeneß who said that we need to have a former Bayern player as coach, as CEO. But I think that was a big mistake. You can't get away with with a head of sport, uh, a, a manager. But I think when you look for a, for a, for a CEO... 
I think, Jules, they will probably look at maybe Heiner could be an interim. They could take Heiner back there. And yes, I'm with you. He should never be allowed to be in front of a microphone. He said on a Monday, the Monday in the week that Julian Nagelsmann was fired, he said that he would stay for ages. And this is an era and at the club. Yeah. They could bring Rummenigge back to just to complete all the Muppet show. They can take all the guys <laughs> back on the, on the stage. This is what I do. So... These people miss themselves. And I have to say, I'm a big, big fan of Uli Hörner. So I say this with love, but it's hard to, to kind of leave your company, your company that you, you kind of built up since you were, you were 27 years of age. Yeah, for those who don't know, because uh, we mentioned Uli Hörner, for, for those who might not be familiar with him, he is a former tremendous, great player mm-hmm. who, as Jan said, is super, super smart. I had the privilege of, of having lunch with him Um right me and other people um uh a few years ago right by his house overlooking a lake as a lovely lovely very idyllic place but he's also a very very tough guy i had the vision to, yeah. to bring pep guardiola to uh to bayern not an easy sell for many reasons um and obviously worked out great but he's somebody who is i don't want to say he's bigger than the club but he kind of, it's weird for a club that has actual members and shareholders and stuff. And I'm sure he's a member, but he's not a shareholder. And yet it's almost like it's his club yeah. still. And uh-huh. it's, he's always the guy behind the scenes, even when I don't even know if he has a formal role now um, within the club. But every time I, they score, I mean, they score a goal or when they don't score a goal, the camera is on at the games at, in Munich. Yeah. just goes and show him all the... They show him all the time, like it's, if he was still in the it, It's like as if Sir Alex Ferguson had never yeah. stepped away. And, and I think that's something to think about. Um, for the CEO role, and I think this might help them on the pitch and off it, why not Thomas Muller? He's already kind of effectively a co-CEO right now, but no, I'm, I'm joking. Here. <laughs> um, yeah, and title race. It's not over. It's not over at all. Because it's not over because they have Borussia Dortmund on the other side. And I, it's not over, right? No, it's not over at all because you you felt in the last round and now they they knocked my Frankfurt four 0 of course which was was it was good because they then answered the result that was in the evening they knew about uh, the the minds game that but it was only the the, the last round where it was one one in Hoffenheim and and Dortmund had one of the most embarrassing games ever mm. so the next game is now on Friday Friday Dortmund is playing Bochum. Bochum, who are struggling big time, which means that Dortmund will probably lose that. Uh, and then we will say that is typical Dortmund and so on and so on and Bayern playing Hertha Berlin. Having said that, I think now that they're playing Bochum away, then they've got two home games, Dortmund. This is a key moment of their season. They got an advantage at home. They got a fantastic stadium. We, we, we all love to go there. It is an unbelievable support for them. So I think that for, for Dortmund and what's going on at Bayern, uh, it's, it's good for them. But you mentioned it, Gab. They know about crisis in uh, Bayern. They know when the lion get a bit hurt, it's the most dangerous. Can Bayern ending up winning all the rest of the games? Yes, they would. Uh, they can. And can Dortmund then slip up? So, yes, they can. So, it's very, very open. But I think that is very surprising for us because we felt that Bayern now with Tuchel will find a solid way just to kind of sail the ship safe to the harbour. Oh, yeah. Dortmund have Wolfsburg at home and then Gladbach at home in the two games that after Bochum that Jan was talking about. On paper, it just looks... It looks that, set up for Dortmund. 
But it look, nah, it looks like their schedule is slightly a little bit more difficult maybe than Bayern. Although Bayern have to play Schalke as well and Ertas who are fighting not to go down. Leipzig as well who are fighting to finish top four. So it's not going to be easy, I think, for either of them with the remaining fixtures that they have. I am con- contractually obligated to do this. It's percentage times, gentlemen. Uh, Jan, give me your percentages. Bayern or Borussia Dortmund? Uh, I will say still, but that is just based on 10 years desperate to have a battle in Bundesliga. I will say it's 51-49 Bayern uh, Dortmund. Oh, Jules? I go 51-49 Dortmunds. I believe in them. I believe in them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll give two whole give the players three days off after the defeat. I, I mean, you know, what, if they'd won, it would have given them the whole week off or something. Like, you know, right. Uh, I'm I'm going to go and uh, and I'll be the cynic here. Um, I'm going to say Bayern 55. percent There's a reason amidst all the chaos and the self harm, they keep winning things. And also Dortmund, you know. A sparrow doesn't make spring, yeah, or whatever, whichever way the uh, yeah, whichever way that saying go. Uh, Jan, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Beyond. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, enough Bayern. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Manchester United are through the FA Cup final, oh, beating yeah. Brighton and your boy. RDZ on yes. RDZ, some people call him on penalty kicks after nil-nil draw. Jules, fair outcome. Well, yeah, in a way, yeah. yeah. Both goalkeepers made some really good saves. The on one hand, Sanchez on the other. There were some good chances. It felt for a while that Brighton were playing well their game and United were there trying to disrupt. Disrupt. Exactly. And I thought that they did that well. They did that well, but should that be the tactic for a game like this in the semi-final of the FA Cup? So I would Even with no- players missing? I would normally say no, but you said the number of players missing, the fact that they're coming off that trauma on Thursday night yeah, in the Europa true. League against Sevilla. I'm not going to blame Van Hal, sorry, Van Hal, Ten Hag, yeah. sorry there, uh, for not going there and saying, oh yeah, we're no, going to no, go blow enough. for blow with Brighton, blah, blah, blah. Because ultimately, you know, this is a very, very makeshift situation. Luke Shaw's only recently returned, having to play center half. Yeah. And he's got to play with Lindelof as well. Like, Yeah, uh, Maguire yeah. was suspended. I, I, all of these things, yeah, because <laughs> that would have been better, right? Yeah. I don't know. All these things together, I think, you know, in the end, it comes to the penalties. Although, I was seeing your penalties, as I'm sure you were too. Why? You know, they kept missing the they kept making all the penalties, yeah. right? And I thought, oh, what if this gets to De Gea taking the penalty? Ah, like Jules is going to love it. Like against Villarreal in the uh, Europa League final, he didn't because Solimarsh missed. I, didn't, I just didn't expect him to miss like that. I and don't know if the spot was scuffed, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But it's a shame for Brighton who never won. They've never won anything. They've never won the FA Cup or the League Cup or the League. They lost one final 40 years ago against United. They won't have another final to play. It's going to be because it's going to be an old Manchester final for the first time ever. Yeah, because City beat Sheffield United on, third, on, sat, on Saturday, sorry, 3 0. I, I could not care less about that game. I didn't watch it. So, what do you want to say? 
<laughs> Riyad Mahrez got a hat trick. I know, I know. I said well done to him, but it, I, I saw the goals, but that was it. I was never going to watch that game. I, I thought Sheffield United kind of had a go early, and it took City uh, a little while to start. Obviously, right. he made a bunch of changes. Um, but you should watch Mars because one of those goals is, is I a watched bit the special, goal, but I was, there was no way I was going to watch that. Right. But they're on track for the trouble. Yeah, amazing. Come on, amazing. Jules, I got to go there. Sorry, he's back yeah. on Friday night. What the heck happened to Arsenal in their 3-3 home draw with Southampton? And is this the moment they lost the title? Time would tell, maybe. Or maybe they lost their Liverpool or at West Ham before that even. Or maybe they might lose it on Wednesday against City. Or maybe ATR. it's not. They, they, they haven't they lost haven't it because they it. beat City and they go exactly. eight points clear. And they won't lose it. I don't know. It'll be that, that mistake from Ramsdale after, after a minute was, was terrible. I mean, they didn't always look themselves. They missed chances. It felt like they could come back. They did come back. Not to win, but at least to draw the game. Um, I don't know, Chaka being ill and not being there was a huge loss and maybe we never thought yeah. we would say that. Can I say this? I don't know he's young, but he's 22, he's not young anymore, he's getting paid professional money, Fabio Vieira, wrong choice. But for a game like this, yeah. For a game like this, it, well, it just didn't happen for him. I would have played Trossard from the start, personally, in a game like this. So no, I would have changed the formation slightly. In place of Gabriel Jesus, who did not have No, instead of, instead of Fabio Vieira, I would have had Saka, Martinelli, Trossard and Gabriel Jesus for this game from the beginning. I thought this is how you... you I would have had Georgie, obviously. Yeah, of course you would have Jorginho. But it's a huge opportunity missed, of course, before the game on Wednesday. It's a shame. But but it's still it's still possible. It's still there. They have to stay positive. But it felt like well, it, it felt huge. You know what bugs me a little bit is if they don't win the title, or if they you know. And, and at this stage, obviously, I think the odds are stacked against them. People are going to say, "Oh well, they lack maturity. They lack experience." It's like our knee-jerk reaction, and maybe it's true to some degree that they have too many young players. Gabriel Jesus said that after the game. He said, "We're still a young team." Uh, no, no, no. But both things can be true. Like they, they can still be. They are. They still are a young team. Empirically, yeah. that's true. But this idea that you know, if they don't do it, it's because they lack experience and because of they don't have the veteran leadership. I feel like it's a slightly lazy knee-jerk reaction that we always have. I, I don't know that no, that yeah. it automatically is the reason why you draw three games in a row. Simple as. No, yeah. And we touched upon it earlier, but let's show some love for Borussia Dortmund, Gav, after the 4-0 win against Eintracht Frankfurt, which takes them back to the top of the league. So the reason I want to show a lot of love here for Edin Terzic is because of what happened the week before. Of the, course, the, 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 the horse show against Stuttgart. Yeah. 2 0 up against 10 men 12 minutes ago, and then they, they equalize, and then you, get, you score again in injury time, and then yeah. you let them equalize again. Um, this was a trap game. It was a trap game, even though uh, Eintracht had, had, had some players missing because you wonder, are they all going to be disheveled and, and all over the place? And no, and no, they weren't. They were professional to start. Yeah, Jude Bellingham, so sweet early goal, a sweet touch, by the oh, way, wow, in, in, wow, in the turn. Yeah. All right, Daniel Marlin proving me wrong. Two six goals, goals how about that? Six goals, three assists in the last five or six games. This was a statement. They never let Eintracht get back into the game, and Eintracht are, are a good side, maybe yeah. on hard times a little bit. Um, so, no, I, th I think they got those psychological cobwebs out of them, and they're top of the league. Wow. Napoli beat Juventus away 1-0 with an injury time winner from that man, Jack Raspadori. Jules, they can win their first Serie A title without Diego Maradona next weekend. Ah, that's right, Gab, on Saturday at home at the Diego Maradona Stadium against Salernitana. If they win that and then the following day, Sunday, Lazio don't win away at Inter. It's a derby against Salernitana. Yeah, too. it is. So then that, that would be it. That would be Napoli for the first time since 1990, win the trophy, only the third, the third in their history, which would be a, a great achievement. This was a game that 
I thought was exactly what we expected in the sense that it was very tactical in the first half that Juve let the ball for Napoli and then Napoli didn't really create much about it because Juve, to be fair, was there to defend and defended well uh, for the first, certainly for the first half. He got better in the second half. Aussie men got a few chances. I think in the end they deserved to win, although Juve had two goals disallowed for VAR, the, well, the Di Maria I, one. I, I think there's, so there's, there's two big, and sometimes we talk too much about VAR, but I think it's worth talking about here. Yeah. So well, one of the disallowed ball, uh, goals, the ball's out of play when Keza crosses it. Definitely so that, there's, there's nothing to argue the there. The other one is the Milik foul. So the Milik on the Milik on Lobotka, what what happens there? It's it's a Juve counterattack um, with Milik getting the ball from Lobotka. Was it a foul? Was it not a foul? The referee waves play on, um, and ball goes at the other end. Di Maria scores. This was disallowed. This is called in by VAR, and. I don't think this is a situation where VAR should have inter intervened. It's not so much the clear and obvious threshold, although you have to watch it a million times. Maybe it's a yeah. foul. It probably, probably was a foul, but it was so marginal. Yeah, definitely. But the referee is right there. Unless the referee says, I didn't get a clear view. The referee waves play on. Um, I don't think you that should let go, you think. Yeah, you yeah, yeah If anything, point. it looks like he's signaling advantage. Like maybe he thought it was Lobotka who fouled Milik. So I don't think the referee should have interfered. I should the goal should have, I think the goal should have stood stood. The other one though, earlier in the game, yeah. Federico Gatti, he's wrestling with Kavaratskelia. He punches him and I'm with a closed fist in yeah, the shoulder and then it goes up to the head. VAR does not intervene in that situation. And had they intervened, um, either it would have been a no foul or it would have been a red card. Um, I think the referee didn't see that because Danilo was standing in the way. Yeah. That was a situation where I think the rev VAR badly got it wrong. So I'm going to blame should the have been red. VAR for all this. That, 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 that could have been a red. I mean, what's great is Ras Padori, who came on for Kvaskelia, scores the winner, which, again, you know, Napoli also had that great season domestically because of... Some of the subs have come on and did and did the job. And speaking of Juve Gap, they got a 15-point penalty suspended last week, at least temporarily. This is going to get really complicated really quickly. I'm going to make it as simple as I can. Basically, the appeals court said um, we're going to suspend the 15-point penalty. We're so not they removing get their points it. Back, basically, yeah. uh, so they get their points back. So they move back into third place. However, um, we're going to send this back to the lower court and saying like. You need to take another look at this, and you need to give better reasons at how you came to the 15 points. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be it's the same court, but it's going to be different judges. Anything could happen there. They could reinstate 15 points. They could give them nine points. They could give them two points. They could give them zero points, frankly. And remember, the key thing is here, they're going to be under pressure to wrap this all up before the end of the season. This cannot drag into the summer. No. Also because you, of course, have other cases yeah. in the pipeline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ferran Torres scores the only goal as Barcelona beat Atletico Madrid 1-0, wow. their favorite scoreline this season. Yeah. Jules, your boy Antoine Griezmann, not enough. No, he was good though, I thought, and Atletico were good at times in that game and you know they could easily have scored a goal, certainly. Ter Stegen was fantastic again in goal and you said... One nil is their score. Tenth win in the league this season. One nil. They've conceded only nine goals in thirty. Yeah. Twenty-three clean sheets. Twenty-three it's, gap. It's, it's in incredible. In the big five, it Chelsea, is by far. It is by far the stingiest defense in Europe right far. now. And I think the record Chelsea and the Mourinho first season is ten goals conceded. I think. And there's another team, maybe a Bayern team, with ten goals conceded the whole season. So Barca are not there yet, but they've only conceded two goals at the Camp Nou all season in the league. It's incredible. 
Good goal, Rafinha with the assist. It was much better. The young was there. Pedri came on much better once Pedri came on, and they could have scored more goals in the later on in the and game. Yes, thank you, Lewandowski. By the way, what he was oh, thinking there rather than giving it to Rafinha. I know, crazy, crazy. But a win after three games without a win was very important. Real Madrid beat Celta Vigo 2-0 as Caroncelotti mixes things up again. Gab Marco Asensio on the score sheet once more and with an assist as well. Are they really going to let him go? People are taking for granted that he's going to extend his deal, Surely but he hasn't done it yet. Uh, I don't know. I, it's eight goals for him. I think 12 overall in all competitions, or 13 maybe uh, overall in, in all competitions. Uh, most of these his goals have come, has come off the bench. I think he's valuable, but equally, I could also understand from his perspective, he's got a World Cup coming yeah, up. Do I want to be a starter somewhere else? Exactly. He's not going to be a starter at, at Real Madrid no. if he stays. Big game two from uh, Camavinga at left back. Newcastle win a huge head-to-head -head wow. clash in the battle for top four with a 6-1 demolition of Tottenham. Jules, they were 5-0 up after uh, 21 minutes, and Christian uh, Stellini said afterwards it was their worst spell ever. Okay, tell me something. Why, when you've played the whole season by one game, with a back five, right? <laughs> Why, in your mind, you would think, where are we going? Newcastle, mm, are they any good? Are they good at home? Let's change everything and go to a back four with, with even Perisic and left back. That is, that is an proper left back. And to certain extent, Pedro Porro are right back as well, when they're clearly not full backs. What, what happened in telling his mind? Why uh, would you do this stupid thing? He says he took responsibility. He says, well, I made the decision to move to a back four. Uh, maybe it was not the right decision. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, you think? <laughs> I mean, look, what there, happened? There, this, this isn't the reason. I mean, Jacob Murphy, by the way, uh, absolute world. No, no, all of individual you mistakes. Um, there's a lot that's on the players. It's not just the formation. Uh, this is horrendous. I, I don't think you recover from this. I, I, I think they're done. I think they're out of the uh, top completely. four Completely. Yeah, completely. And I, I don't think he would ever get another job as a number one. You know that. Stellini, as we said, is going to go, of course. And Spurs will need a new manager, Gab. One of the names linked is Julian Nagelsmann, of course, who reportedly ruled himself out of the Chelsea job on Friday. Apparently, Gab is not convinced by the recruitment process. And it's funny because the people in charge of the recruitment process are Lawrence Stewart, Christopher Vivell, yeah. and Paul Winstanley. And two of those three are the guys that, you know, are, are the former Red Bull guys. Yeah, who um, with me. I, look, I don't... I, I I don't get this. I think Nagelsmann's like, I want some time off. I want to think about uh, what's coming up. I want to think about where I want to go in my career. I don't necessarily want to come into this dumpster fire. I think he's also maybe had a word with some accountants. Maybe he read some Swiss Ramble and said, they've spent so much money. Yeah. How much are they actually going to spend in the squad? Or is this it? Is it like, all right, here's Nkunku. Here's all the loan guys. We're going to try to sell everybody we can. 50 but, players. I mean, I, but I if he says no to Chelsea, he will not say yes to Spurs, right? You would not, not turn down Chelsea to go to Spurs. Why not? In some ways, right. if he goes to Spurs and Levy says, oh, look, I'm going to sell Harry Kane for $150 million this summer. Uh, spend the money wisely. Maybe he likes the players person. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think if you're Nagelsmann, you wait. But who knows? Liverpool beat Nottingham Forest three-two. Jules big three points, but also weird game full of errors. <laughs> Should Jurgen Klopp's glass be half full or half empty? Always half full, Gab. You know I'm a half full guy. So glass should be always half full. You win, uh, you consider two goals. The volley back gives White is wonderful for sure. Uh, but deflections, deflections, uh, left, still, right, center. It's still a wonderful piece of skill. You take it, it's another win, and you get closer. Uh, messy, to, messy game. You can maybe reach fifth place, which would be it's still good. Milan beat Lecce 2 0 as Rafael Leao scores both goals. Gab is hitting form at the right time. Now, 
When are they going to extend his contract, though? <laughs> They're working on it. I've written about this. He said this. that every, every show, every three days. I think it's absolutely critical. Um, I think he's now up to 12 goals in the league, which is even more than last season. I think he's showing that he's a game chamber changer. Nobody's indispensable at any price. Nope. But Rafael Leao right now, I can tell you what, you either sell him or you extend him this summer. Uh, I, I don't see, it's binary for me. Romelu Lukaku scores twice as Inter beat Empoli 3-0. Jules, these are his first goals from open play um, in the league since week one wow, of the season, August 13th. August 13th. On the other hand, he now has eight in the last month, if you include internationals. Yeah. I mean, that's still against Sweden and Germany, not yeah, terrible teams. Big games, and he scored in the Champions League as well, and this is good, and he started this game. And in the Coppa Italia. In the Coppa Italia, of course, where the semi-final, as we said earlier, the second leg, he will now play in, we'll come back to that in, in on, on Wednesday. Good for him, really good for him. Lautaro came on, scored as well. You know what, I mean, okay, this game into one to stay in that fight with Roma, Lazio and Milan, maybe even Atalanta for third and fourth. I just love how Empoli played. I know they lost that game, and I know they they're limited in in talent overall the squad. But I think every time I watch them, which is when they play a big game, because I would not watch them against Salernitana and stuff like that. I find I like them. I, I find them moving the ball well. I, I just like the idea. I like the movement. So we watched that game with the kids, and we were like, okay, yeah, Inter. But we really enjoyed Empoli. So okay, I just wanted to say big Baldanzi and Parisi fan yeah, exactly they're really good they're not going to stay there forever but they're really good and sticking with Lukaku I think I'm many are confused about his ban against that second yellow he received if you remember against Juventus in the Coppa Italia first leg after being racially abused and he scored a goal and he had the celebration all of that so then the, the first the appeal was turned down mm -hmm. but then it was overturned by the Federation so I, this story is, I'm going to try to make this, avoid making this needlessly complicated, although it is needlessly complicated, like most stupid bureaucratic uh, decisions that are made by the Italian FA. I think they got to the right solution in the end that he should not have been banned. But the context was he, get, he got a second yellow. Mm. He, was the, he received a second yellow because he was reacting to the fans and the reason the referee thought he was reacting to the fans was because of his celebration yeah. which is stupid because he's not reacting to the fans because he'd used a celebration before and he's still using it now it's the one where he puts his fingers to his lips and then salutes like he's in the military i don't know what he's yeah, doesn't look particularly yeah. Why, cool but yeah. that's his thing whatever right so referee who did not hear the racist abuse at the time um said wait you're winding up the fans by doing this. There's clear rules on it. I think the rules are very fair. They should, you should not interact with the opposing fans. Um, so he's not reacting to the abuse. right? Yeah. So he should not have received that second yellow to begin with. However, because the referee felt whether he was racially abused or not, he is still reacting to the fans. It doesn't mitigate the fact that he's doing it. We have to uphold the suspension. And then the head of the Italian FA, who's got the power, it's like the movies when the governor can commute a death <laughs> yeah. sentence. He comes out and says, no, I'm going to use my executive power and remove this suspension. Good for him. Oh, it's the right decision. It does not set a great precedent. No. I hope 
this never happens again where somebody uses executive power to do this because if we get in the habit, people are going to say, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Um, there is a process. You need to look at the process. What should have happened here in this case, and it didn't because of the chaos and whatever, I don't want to hear excuses. They had observers. The observers who were there recorded the racist yeah. abuse. They should have immediately told the referee, there's racist abuse going on. Apply the protocol, which means you suspend the game until yeah. it stops and people are identified, and then you pick up the game. Had you done that, then you wouldn't have needed... To, to book Lukaku. Also, educate yourself a little bit. Know, exactly. Maybe watch Lukaku's last few games as this is how he celebrates. Known, yeah. you know. um, also, way back on Friday, Paris Saint-Germain beat uh, Angers 2-1, which I forgot. My man Frazi Goulam plays for, uh, face, plays for Angers. Yeah, I think a lot uh, of people have forgotten that. I know, but he's a really, really good left back. Sorry, <laughs> but anyway, it's enough. Uh, Mbappe bags two goals. Jules, I'm not going to ask you about the game or how brilliant Mbappe yeah, it's is. It's okay. I'm going to ask you about the accounts which were published and confirmed by these at the DNCG. To, yeah, totally. Uh, which is, the, they're basically the financial regulatory body of things. Exactly. So they say that they have a payroll of 729 million euros. Yeah. Now, this is just what they pay for the players' wages, right? This is, does not include uh, transfer fees and whatnot. No. That is 35% more than the next highest in the world, which is Real Madrid, which are 510 million euros. They have losses of 368 million euros, which I believe yeah. is a record. Uh, and they paid nearly 40 million in agent fees, which I kind of feel, if you're paying this much money in wages, you probably should yeah, tell people like, hey guys, we're paying, so, we're paying you so much, you pay your agents. I, when people ask Nasser Al-Khalifi, mm -hmm. how is this sustainable? How do you think you're going to meet financial fair play requirements? What does he say? Or does he not like that question? No, I think, I think they know it's not sustainable and that's why Messi's not going to stay. And if he stayed, he would have to take a big pay cut and others would be sold and not renewed for the same reasons. That's why they want to sell Neymar as well. Okay. Um, you know you can't sell Neymar, so you're talking Messi, yeah. Sergio Ramos. Yeah, and then... Who else can they shed? Then they will sell players because you can also make that you know, if, if you're selling well and bringing money back into the club on sales, then that brings you a lot of revenue. So if you sell Mbappe, after you sell Mbappe to Real Madrid, oh, whoa, then there's whoa, nobody whoa, left. Whoa, 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 you should behave. <laughs> but no, but and you know what's the worst? Is that they are maintaining now, when you ask them, that everything would be fine with financial fair play, right. that they would be able to spend quite a lot of money this summer in transfers, which... which but is Which, it Nasser saying this, or is it some like... Just people totally at the club, yeah, no, people I, at the I, club. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you this, we, like, we speak to. people see these figures, they don't understand this. And yeah, when it comes no, to I, UEFA, I, I, this is perhaps the single biggest test, even more than Man City, uh, about the, the new, I think, the, the, the new financial sustainability yeah. rules. Also because of the close relationship between Nasser Al-Khalifi, who's head of the European Club Association, and sits on the UEFA Executive Committee. You're going to have to explain to people how this works, how you can make such enormous losses, and still fulfill the requirements. You're going to have to explain it in a very clear, transparent way that people understand, yeah. and people are going to have to believe and say, oh, that's how they did it. Lazio stays second in the table despite losing at home to Torino, 1-0. Gab, were we a bit too generous with our praise for Mauricio Sarri? I mean, you can look at it and say, oh, well, we've won our race, we're going to finish top four, blah, blah, blah. But they were not good in this game. No. You can give some credit to, to Torino. I also think at some point, and this is why Sarri does not manage big clubs anymore. I mean, 
no disrespect to my Lazio uh, uh, fan friends, but the really highest level. Yeah. Because he's a loose cannon who says silly things. Um, <laughs> again, complaining about the referees, complained about the pitch, he's complaining about Juve's points deduction and saying, like, oh, it's changed the whole league. I just want to know where we stand. You know, they can't give him the points back if they took him away because I played for a draw in this game instead of going for the win. Had I known, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, you're second in the league. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. You had a good season and so on. Just talk less because the more you talk, and he's got a history. This goes back with him, you know, using a gay slur towards yeah. towards, towards towards Mancini. Just saying, he's not. He's a very intelligent man who can. She clearly has anger management issues, <laughs> which brings him to say stupid things. And you know what? Jose Mourinho also has anger management, as we know, right? Yeah, of course. But Jose Mourinho manages to be likable to a big chunk of people. Yeah. When Sally does this, he's not likable. He just looks bitter and weird. And, and it's a shame because he plays phenomenal football. We love our Chabi Alonso, oh, Jules. Do. We do. Bayer Leverkusen's 2-0 win over Leipzig means it's now 13 games unbeaten yeah. in all competitions. And they have a Europa League semifinal against his old Aww, buddy, his mentor what? in some ways, Jose yeah. Mourinho. Uh, and, of course, his Roma side coming up. But it's looking like Leipzig might be watching next year's Champions League oh, on TV. Yeah, they just dropped out. I think they're two points behind Freiburg uh, in fifth place. They've got Bayer Leverkusen just behind them in sixth. That race for... Third, fourth, fifth, sixth place finish is going to be amazing. I, I love that, though, because most neutrals, right, like the fact that they have Freiburg and Union Berlin ahead of them, you know every neutral of course, of is course. going to say, like, we want the evil empire out. Of course. We'll put up with Bayer Leverkusen and Big Pharma even ahead of them. Even ahead of them, which I, I can understand. Leipzig played really well in that game. To be fair, they had 23 shots, I think, or 26 shots. And in the end, I think we saw from Bayer Leverkusen that kind of defensive side of their game that they can do, not considering goals. And then scoring those two, right, the penalty at the end, and then the, the Hotspur goal is a really nice worked goal, to be fair. Moussa Diaby, Frimpong was very good again. This is a lovely, lovely Bayer Leverkusen, but this is a game that they could also not have won easily. So well done to Xavi Alonso. It's By the way, game. on Xavi Alonso, there's a picture doing the rounds. You know he grew up with Mikel Arteta. Yeah. And there's a picture of Xavi Alonso and Mikel Arteta like as like eight-year-olds are like holding a uh, child. We love and it, don't we? in the background, there's a guy who, there's a picture, it's a Photoshop picture. doing done the rounds on social media for years. There's like a picture of, of Arsene. There's like Arsene Wenger. You see him in the background. Oh, Except it's not him. It's Somebody not. Photoshopped him in. Yes. To be clear, no, Arsene knows. Don't get food. that much. It's three big wins on the spin for Mendilibar and Sevilla. How about Yusuf and Niziri's injury time winner gap against Villarreal? And now Villarreal out of the top four hunt now. Uh, this is what you get, right? With Kike Setien, you get good, you get bad, yeah. you get up, you get down. I, I am so impressed. I mean, this, this is a game that, given Sevilla, they played Thursday night, given their exertions, given the fact that now they're actually, you know, they're safe. They're not going to go down. Yeah, true. Um, to throw this away... I, look, and Nasiri, great. He's like a kangaroo. He jumps out of the... But to throw this away like this yeah. is... It does not reflect well on Villarreal. They're not out yet, no, but no, no. they're on their way out. More late drama, Jules. <clears throat> Marseille are back in second place in Ligue 1, and they do it in the most dramatic fashion with a weird own goal from Milo Gusto. And no, I won't make... I won't leave the bad taste in the mouth nah. uh, joke. Uh, Jules, has the Chelsea pathology infected their own <laughs> on loan players as well? Maybe. I mean, you had to feel... For Malo Gusto, who How came on. Unlucky is he? Oh, my way. He came on in the 80th, 80th minute. It was 1 1, which is a score, by the way, that I didn't 
do any good for either team because Marseille wanted to go back to second place after Lance won uh, on Saturday. Lyon are still fighting and hoping for fifth place. So they had to win, really. The draw was, n was not great for either team, but they could not afford to lose either. And Malo Gusto comes on in the 80th minute, has the chance to win it for Lyon five minutes later, literally. And it's a soft shot that Paolo Lopez saves. And then in the last kick of the game, it's a cross from the right. Le Penon flicks the ball back at the far post. And then Diomande tried to clear it and on the turn and clear it into Malogusto's leg. <laughs> and then the ball goes in for the, the worst on goal or the greatest on goal, depending, that you will see this season. The Lyon players were on the floor. Marseille was celebrating. It's an incredible on goal to give the, the, the goal. Oh, word. Incredible for the Olympico. That was great, by the way. Gab, I know you'd rather not talk about them, but we kind of have to. Geraldo Becker gets the only goal, as you know, in Berlin winner where to Motion Gladbach to stay third in the table. We're going to see them in the Champions League next season, aren't we? It's certainly looking that way. Oh, wow. And I have to say, it is deserved, I thought, in this game. You know, th listen, there's a way to leave the ball to the opposition and make it dire. And there's a way to leave the ball to the opposition and actually create chances. They actually created chances yeah. in this game while not having a lot of the ball. They're not the prettiest to watch, but, you know, Whatever. Uh, they all count. They're still there. It's they incredible. execute well. You know? They do well despite losing players again in yeah. January. Well done to them. Let's go to the Women's Champions League. Injury-riddled Arsenal come back from two goals down away to Wolfsburg in the semifinal to grab a 2-2 first leg draw. This was gutsy, Jules. It was, Gab. It was especially when you consider all the players missing. Of course, no Midema, Beth Mead, we knew for a long time. Kim Little. As well, now and Leah Williamson, of course, the, the latest one, the big one, another ACL like me, the man, and like me. For, for context, for people who don't follow the women's game, is this a little bit like Real Madrid being without Benzema, without yeah. Vinicius? Yeah. Who's a Kim Little comp? Yeah, you can say like, like a Tony Cruz. Tony Cruz? Yeah. And, and then Williamson is a mix of Adam Adam and Madrid, yeah. Or oh, Militao, if you want, yeah, yeah for maybe the four best players or biggest players, certainly. And for them to come back from 2-0 down aware of Wolfsburg in front of 22,000 fans was really remarkable. Rafaela scored the first goal, Blackstein is the second one. And now they've given them themselves a big chance to qualify for the final. May the, May the 1st is the second leg at the Emirates. They've sold 45,000 tickets already. It's going to be amazing. And, and now with the momentum of that, they lost at United in the league in midweek for what was like potentially a, a mini-final, if you want, in the WSL. To go and show that character in Germany on Sunday was really impressive, so well done to them. And meanwhile, in the other semi-final on Saturday, Gab Barcelona get a huge win at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. They do. I mean, obviously, Barcelona is a hugely talented team, but yeah. what impressed me here was they scored almost straight away, I think after three or four minutes, mm -hmm. uh, Caroline, Caroline Graham Hansen, who I was not that familiar She's with She's one before. of the best in the world. Well, she's got an absolute rocket. Yeah. If, you, if you haven't seen this, uh, go and watch because she cuts in from the right-hand side, goes and just unleashes an absolute... I mean, you talk about hitting a ball sweetly. I mean, you know, she's not Romelu Lukaku in terms of size and power. No, but if you hit the ball sweetly, you know, you can achieve tremendous things. Yeah. Um, that set them on their gateway. I thought they managed the game very well uh, after that, uh, denying service to, uh, to, to Sam Kerr up front. So... They're certainly on the front foot, and they they've are. certainly won it enough times in recent years. Yeah.
It's that Mano Penda again, Jules. Lons destroyed Monaco 3-0 and stay in third place. I didn't realize this. He's got like what? Like 17 goals, 18 yeah. goals this year? It's incredible. And he's been on top form really since the, the, the restart after the World Cup. And that game was magnificent on Saturday. Third against fourth at the start of it. Uh, Monaco still hoping maybe for a top three finish. And then they were destroyed by a wonderful Lons team who presses so well. So much intensity, the movement. It was three, it could have been more. Uh, to be fair, they completely deserve it. And now in two weeks' time, they play. We mentioned Monaco, Marseille uh, earlier winning at Lyon. In two weeks, it's Lens Marseille for what will be the, 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 the final for that second, third place playoff, if you want. Unless Paris Saint-Germain keep losing. You they, know, won't, maybe. No, they won't. But it's going to be great. And well done to Lens. Really, really amazing season so far. Reports in Spain, Gab, suggest that Real Madrid are considering Kai Havertz, that's right, and Rasmus Oljung as potential heirs to my man, Karim the Dream. What do you make of it? So, okay, so these are two very different Completely profiles of player. Kai Havertz, uh, profiles, I don't think in terms of style as much as it is in terms of where they are in their career. Kai Havertz, the best on earth, of course. Of course. Um, he's older, he makes a ton of money, he's got two years left at Chelsea. People are critical of him, not a real center forward, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is he's got two years left. So if you want him, you're going to have to give him a big salary and you're going to have to pay a sizable transfer fee to uh, Todd Bowley and his, and his mates. Yeah. Residence Hoyland, I think, really just exploded this season at Atalanta. Um, a tall, technical player, young. really unselfish, young. I think he only just turned 20. Um, there is something about Havertz in Hoyland in, in terms, and they're both, have a little bit of the Benzema in terms of being yeah. the kind of center forward who drops deeper, who creates. Uh, so I think it's interesting that they're looking for this profile of player, if this is what they're actually looking at. Yeah. Um, but I think they're totally different situations in terms of getting somebody who's still very, very young, uh, growing into the role, and somebody like Havertz, who's older, I think he's got tremendous attributes, but still, I think is still raw, still finding himself a little bit. Um, to me, though, Neither one of these two can be Real Madrid's marquee signing next summer. No, with Real Madrid, right? Yeah. They have to get a marquee signing, yeah. whether it's Bellingham, whether it's Mbappe, whatever. It's not. It's not going to be one of these two dudes. No. Jules, you're the Techers expert. West Ham destroy Bournemouth four nil. Yeah. But I want to know if Pablo Fornell's <laughs> goal qualifies as a proper scorpion kick because nah. I, I saw the headline before I saw the goal, yeah. right? And I go to look at I'm it and sorry. I say, yeah, I'm sorry. I love Pablo Fornells. But this is not really a complicated. Simply because the cross comes from the, the right hand side, and he, he literally volleys it on the side of him. It, okay, he twists his leg, so he doesn't hit it with the laces or with the inside of his right foot, but more with the kind of outside of his right foot like that. It kind of it's not a clean finish yeah. at all. It's not Giroud against Palace, for example, where no. the ball was really behind him, and that's the Scorpion kick. If the ball is or behind Rene Gita. you. Oh, Rene Gita, the ball has to be behind you and you hit it back in front of you, really. For yeah. Fonas, it's still a lovely, lovely goal, but it's more on the side. So it's got a little, a little feel of Giroud's goal, but not as good, obviously. This is the latest installment in our series, of course. Educating people to the lingo. Language matters. Say the right things. Exactly. This goes back to the Gabriel Jesus. That was not a no-look pass. <laughs> After 102 years, Rochdale have been relegated out of the Football League, Gab. You're the historian, historian here. What does it mean? I can't believe you put that in. in I put it in because Mark Ogden lives in Rochdale, as you know. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Rochdale fans, Rochdale residents, stop by uh, Mark's house and say hello. He just moved house. Uh, if you DM me, uh, happily <laughs> share his address. Um, 
like it sounds dramatic right oh they're out of the football league in this day and age the next level down is basically it's like prof- football is, is a professional yeah. league right so but you know we like our labels like in the same way we pretend the premier league isn't part of the football league no no it is it's just not run by the same people it's just not run by the same that's all it means it matters because it's harder to get back because there's one automatic promotion yeah. spot um used to be worse before but used to before you could win the league below uh and then you'd have I to be no elected <laughs> into the i mean this is just demented right uh look i think the pyramid and the passion and the attachment that lower division clubs i think is one of the things that makes english football really really special mm. that far down i don't think there's anywhere else in the world where you get crowds that size yeah that far down um so it is sad in in that sense in practical terms, just want to make it clear to people who might not be familiar with it, the fact that they're out of the football league doesn't mean the club are going to disappear. No, they'll be back. They'll just have a much more difficult time yeah. getting back in. Catalan media report that Lionel Messi and his family arrived in Barcelona on Saturday with 15 what? suitcases. I, I love the guy Small who sat ones, there and counted big them. Ones? Well, this sounds like a lot for a short break since presumably he already has his home in Barcelona. Yeah, and presumably yeah, keeps some clothes there. Are you concerned that he's not coming back? I mean, I think he brought all his winter clothes back to Barcelona. Uh, he doesn't have people who do that for him? They were, they were coming over for the weekend because they play Friday night. Yeah, but he doesn't have to take the stuff himself. He can just fly ah, with hand luggage. You know, and then... The winter clothes in Paris, just bring them back to Barcelona. Almost like, you know, if you were sto- a storage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think there's more and more signs now that he's going to go back to Barcelona if they can make it happen financially at the club. I don't have any doubts that if he could come back, he would go back. But he's going to play again for Paris Saint-Germain this season. Yeah. He's not going to go. Oh, you mean not going back for training? You mean on Monday? Yeah. Or on Tuesday? Oh, yeah, no. He will be back. I thought you meant next season. Just checking, just checking. No, he will be back now in Paris for the end of the season. And he had two great assists against Angers. I mean, I expect him against Angers to still be Leo Messi. Uh, and Kylian scored two goals. He will finish the season somehow. They will right. win the league. And then I think he could well be back for real in Barcelona. And sticking with Barcelona, Gab, Lamine Yamal was included in the Barca day squad for the game against Atletico Madrid. He's 15 years old. He's 15 years old. Xavi talked about him, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't like this. I, I don't. I, I, I don't care that Johan Cruyff played when he was 14. I don't care that had he, had he come on as a sob, he would have beaten some record last 100 years. I don't think 15-year-olds should be playing professional football. I think it's as simple It's as simple as that. It's just to give him a taste of the squad, of the match day, what it is. You know, the, that dressing room being part. He's training with the first team sometimes. That's, but that's fine. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think there should be an age minimum. Sorry, I, I just don't see any kind of benefit when you're 15 years old. To, to being involved in that. Um, I, I'd go for it. If I had my druthers, I would say like, uh-uh, until you turn 17, you're not playing first team football. I mean, I, I think when you look at the number of people who do not make it, who devote all their energies to this, I mm-hmm. think there's more to life to this. It's a numbers game. If he's good, he can make his debut at 17. That worked fine for Pelé. It can work for him too. But I don't see why he needs to have the media and in Barcelona and come by his house and, and interview his family and his cat and his neighbors and whatever. No, no. So let the guy be a kid. No, I agree with you on that point. And, 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 and I think they actually did a pretty good job. If you remember, when Gavi made his debut, I know, I, I know hardcore Barcelona B fans, but it's not like, oh, this wonderkin Gavi's going to make his debut, look out for him. No. 
the guy played, he was outstanding, yeah, integrated yeah. in the team. It was more hype with Fati, you no? Know, with Ansu Fati. It was more hype with Ansu Fati as well, but also it, it didn't start at 15. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. there's a big different development between being 15 and being 17. Sometimes, Jules, it's worth celebrating the hype. Wrexham oh. have been promoted to the Football League. Yeah, and you know, usually we would never mention the team. Do you know who was promoted from the Football League in the Football League I have no season? idea, but they probably weren't owned by, uh, by Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. Stockport, Stockport County were the one who won the, the, the National League last season to go into League Two. No one cared, really, apart from their own fans. <laughs> this time it's different because it's Wrexham, because Ryan Reynolds and mm. Rob McElhenney are the owners, as you said, 15 years after dropping out of the EFL, Wrexham are back in after an incredible season, an incredible title race with Notts County. Paul Mullin scored two goals against Boramwood at the weekend to take them back up to so the fourth division, League Two in England here. Um, and we had the tears of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney so, saying like, Paul Mullaney is one of the greatest players on the, in the world, all that kind of stuff. Well, he has scored, I think, almost as many goals as uh, Erling Haaland. 38 so. this season. Yeah, which is almost as many as Erling exactly. Haaland. Exactly. Um, and, an and he doesn't get to play in the Champions League, Paul Mullen, you know, who knows. Uh, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Rexham might get there in four years. I, I, I want to say is, they've spent a ton of money, and we talked about this before, they, they've lost Two money. million pounds. Yeah. Um, no, they've spent... I mean, maybe that's they've invested two million. But yeah. overall, they're going to you know their losses are their losses stack up. Yeah. However, I think these owners have done it. My impression, and from what I hear, I don't follow football at this level, but I know people who do, and they tell me this is you don't have the anger that you have from some fans at that level towards people who come in and chuck a lot of money in, like say Salford, for example, right? Um, they've done it in a respectful way. Yeah. They've done it in a likable way. way. That's not easy to do. So, you know, whoever's running the project their PR, and obviously Ryan Reynolds is a huge part of it, yeah. as is Rob McElhenney, of course. Um, well done to them. This is nice. I, I feel like cool. they've done it in the right way. Yeah, unless you know how far they can go, how far they can take that club. Kazumura made his debut for Oliverense in their 4-1 win away against Academica de Vizu. That's in the Portuguese second division, if you were wondering. Gabby's 56 years old and he came on in the 90th minute. Are you going to be grumpy? I think I know the answer, but are you going to be grumpy about it or are you going to celebrate it? I'm going to celebrate a little bit because there's somebody older than me who's playing professional football. Um, Is this playing, though, when you come on and you He comes on in the minute, he stands around, he lays the ball off. This is obviously some sort of, for Oliverense, it's obviously some sort of publicity stunt, um, but it's not probably not costing them anyway. He probably bought his own ticket <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, Kazumura just wants to keep doing this. He's uh, He was at Yokohama last year. I think he made one appearance off the bench. Um, like Kazu can do whatever he wants. I love the fact that I was a small child and I remember him, you know, at, 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 in Japan, I remember coming to Genoa. Uh, it's, it's crazy that this uh, guy who played in the 1980s is still playing today. Um, it's just yeah. absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing. You know, it's not the romantic story because yeah. there are fit people. Like, I mean, some of the... I mean, Steve Nichol could come on and do what Kazumura did. Do you think he can? I'm sure he could. He's, not, sure. he's, not, he's not in the Probably shape. Probably not as fit as Kazumura. Not in the shape of Mura, but still, you know. <laughs> Uh, Jules, that brings us to an end, but we got to come back on oh. Thursday. I wonder what game we're oh. going to be talking about. Um, so much going on. There's yeah. also the Coppa Italia semifinal, Juventus against Inter, uh, La Liga. Oh. So much going on. Until then, what do I like to say? Love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. <laughs> <laughs>